Welcome to the Transportation Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The people have spoken. Electric scooters are in. And though there's been backlash on sharing programs from major cities, other municipalities are realizing there's value in adjusting to this growing trend. Increased commerce, happier citizens, transformative technology. Cities like Austin, Texas aren't sweeping these scooters off the streets. They're passing ordinances and working with sharing companies to integrate at a municipal level. What does this mean for the future of electric scooters and ride-sharing programs? On today's podcast, we sat down with Kevin Christie, Director of Customer Service on Consumer Products for Segway, to break down all things electric scooters, from user safety to financial forecasts in the transportation industry, to changing city design to environmental impact and everything in between. Kevin, how are you doing today? Uh, Doing great. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I always love having Segway on. Uh, Every single guest we've had on from Segway just has such a different perspective to bring to the whole transportation industry. And I'm excited that we're diving back into the electric scooter trend. Have you uh, actually taken one on a commute? Um, I'm not sure what city you're based out of, but... Have you gotten to enjoy it from a consumer point of view? You know, I, I have, and uh, I've been using it to go up to the grocery store. Yeah, I live on Mercer Island and uh, just outside Seattle, Washington. And, you know, it's amazing. The, uh, you know, we don't quite have the sharing programs established here yet. So they're still kind of new and people really haven't seen them that much unless they've been been traveling. But, um, you know, the responses I get are incredible. I, I rode one at night up to our local grocery store and uh you know it has the lights on the bottom and all the box boys stopped talking looked at me and said oh my god that is so cool you know here i am in my 50s being cool i like it (laughs) that's always a nice boost no but i mean like just seeing them around town here in dallas and seeing everyone using them from you know just to have fun or to i know plenty of my coworkers actually use them to commute on a daily basis um, they're really changing personal transit uh, on a really fundamental level. And that gets me more into the topic of the podcast, which is going to be more focused on electric scooters and ride-sharing programs for them. And the first thing I want to hit on is actually an article we've both read. It was a CNN article titled, Cities Start Giving Scooter Companies a Second Chance. And basically it starts to detail a lot of issues with these scooter companies that, you know, they didn't have proper permits or they sort of jumped the gun to get their product in a city and just was, you know, it's kind of the same mantra of um, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And I think that's what a lot of these ride sharing companies are seeing now. And cities are responding in different ways. Uh, Austin, Texas, for example, like the article mentions, is actually trying to integrate them. You know, even though there were some issues with trying to get rid of the scooters, trying to get them off the streets, trying to get everything a little more efficient, cities like Austin are welcoming these rideshare programs. So, yeah, what have you seen on your end uh, from city responses to these rideshare programs? And why do you think some of the cities are reacting differently? Why, why do you think some, like Los Angeles, see it as a complete nuisance, whereas Austin, Texas is seeing it as the next step in transportation? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there, anytime you have something new, you know, that creates real change and has a real impact, 
you know, especially as it comes to transportation and, um, you know, dealing with cities and municipalities, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of, uh, you know, companies uh, to be first to market, you know, you know, move pretty aggressively, but in working with them and, uh, and talking with them, they're all very committed to, you know, solving the problems and working with the municipalities and making it function. I, I think the demand's there and the acceptance is there and, and kind of what's missing is the social piece of it. And there, there really isn't, you know, an etiquette, if you will, to, you know, how to ride, you know, what's the safe, you know, methods for doing it, you know, sidewalks or, or uh, roadways. But I think a lot of that, that social piece of it is, uh, is, is what will be coming as people get used to using them. And as we just learn about how to operate them uh, in a safe and making sure that when we park them, you know, we're not keeping, we're not blocking areas and, uh, and it's not becoming a nuisance, but I think that's all, all part of the change. But I, I think anytime you have something that's impactful, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, things like the TSA when they first started changing the rules and, you know, last time I was at an airport, things were working pretty smooth. People kind of understand the rules and go through the process, you know, with cell phones, it's been a long time since, I've been in a public place where someone's talking loud on a personal call and disrupting things. But, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's a learning curve, but I think everyone's committed um, to making it work. And that's why, you know, that article in particular, where we talk about a second second chance and looking at what's working and not working and how do we affect that is uh, is is really where we're at at this point. Yeah. I think it's also safe to say cities are allowed to have a concern I mean, I think without proper integration, a flood of technology like this could lead to a lot of safety issues. Yeah. And I think some cities are probably more cautious than others about integrating such a potentially, you know, industry shaking thing into their city. You know, we they want to ensure the personal safety of their citizens. But at the same time, I think cities like Austin are realizing that I guess they they have their ear to the ground a bit. They're listening more to what the people are asking for. And they realize, wow, you know, the, the human response to this was this is an amazing piece of technology. Um, the way that it's integrated into the city is great. The fact that we can just use it for cheap and whenever we want and that there's there's a crowdsourcing and a community aspect around it. I think that is where cities are going to really find interest in something like this is being able to integrate it into a community aspect. And, and when they listen to what the people want, I think they're going to realize that more people want it than not. Yes, I, I, I agree. And city planning, I mean, when they look at how they're going to structure roads and how they're going to be making changes, when they're looking 20 and 30 years down the road, there's going to be a lot of technology and changes that are going to impact the way you would want to design something. And, you know, the safety piece of it really, you know, it's, it's hard to make changes. And in our community, we had a, a four lane uh, main road that kind of went through town and we did a road diet to convert it to three lanes and then wider uh, bike paths and, uh, and a safer shoulder for the bike, for bikes to ride. And the center lane became a turn lane and it actually uh, dramatically reduced accidents. But when we were making those changes, um, you know, the opposition against, you know, going from four lanes to, to three lanes, it uh, it was huge and it was a real educational process. And 
now that it's in place, nobody thinks twice about it. So, you know, you're right. It's, uh, you know, places that are, you know, forward thinking and trying to figure out how do we integrate those, those things. I, I traveled uh, around the world quite a bit. And, you know, when you're in, in Europe and different places and you're looking, you know, where there is pedestrian paths and bicycle lanes, you know, we still have a long way to go to, uh, to get to some of those kinds of uh, amenities. Definitely. So the next thing I want to hit on is actually learning a little bit more about Segways uh, sharing programs. And I want to know, you know, when partnering with some of these uh, manufacturers of the scooters or, um, you know, putting together your own sharing programs, what was your methodology behind it? Or, you know, what, what, what was the company's methodology behind integrating these into the cities? Because I know, like we mentioned in that article, a lot of these ride-sharing companies for the electric scooters basically decided, you know what, we're going to just introduce them to the city and pay the price later, but the word of mouth is going to be more valuable than us trying to coordinate with the city from the get-go. So I wanted to know, what was y'all's approach when trying to bring uh, these electric scooters to a community um, on a ride-sharing level? Well, that's, again, that's a great question. Um, for us, we're a, we're a manufacturer, and uh, our focus is really um, looking at how do we impact um, trips, rides that are less than five miles. And all of our products uh, really, you know, live in that, you know, in that space. And so we've really been looking at how do we develop the best possible products uh, to, to, you know, support that market. So we didn't really look at the sharing aspect of it per se. Um, and we don't really, you know, participate except on a, on a technology level to produce the best possible products to support the companies that are, that are doing that for us, you know, it's really, you know, looking at what products can we develop um, and what works best in that space. And, you know, for me, um, I always loved uh, the Segway, you know, personal transport product, what most people think of as a traditional Segway product. And, you know, when I first rode a, a kick scooter, you know, it was just a game changer. It really, in a sense, is fulfilling the the promise of the original Segway goal, which was to improve transportation with, you know, efficient, environmentally friendly, low cost, you know, fun alternatives. And and really, the 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 price point for a scooter and its performance level really filled a gap that uh, that wasn't filled before. Um, they're you know they're safe and fun to ride, and uh, and and you know certainly at a better better cost point, but. Um, you know, we're 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 a supplier. We don't actually have any sharing programs, and but we work very closely and partner with with the companies that are amazing. Yeah, and and with those partnerships, I'm I'm curious. You know, how do you feel like some of those companies are succeeding in the way that they integrated their product? Um, because you know, even though they did sort of skirt the lines a little bit of having to answer to the municipalities right from the get go. I think we're starting to see that community impact is speaking way more loudly than sitting down at a board meeting and trying to pitch the product to a city, right? The city just gets to see the human response, and that's how I think a lot of these programs are winning. So, yeah, I wanted to get your take on on how you think um, these programs are succeeding in the way that they're implementing their ride shares. You know, having a chance to work with them and visit you know, a number of them. Um, I mean, my, my number one takeaway is these are really smart, capable people. 
and are, and are very committed to what they're doing. And, you know, I think they're, you know, along with the technology and the idea and understanding the, the need, you know, they're really understanding that the municipalities are really their customer um, in many ways. So, um, and I think they're changing um, their model a little bit. And I think, you know, those that will be successful um, will be doing exactly that. So I think they're much more engaged with uh, the municipalities than before. And I think that's just out of necessity, um, you know, to be successful and to solve the problems. But, you know, I, I you know, like I said, they're smart, they're engaged, they're, they have solutions. I mean, I, I think they're really looking at using their, their, their apps to teach the consumer how to use the product and how to manage it and, you know, use the data that they're getting to, you know, be more effective, you know, to make sure that they're, they're placing them in the right positions and they're, um, you know, monitoring where, you know, there's issues um, if, if things are blocking, you know, pedestrian throughways. So um, I think they're, they're, they're going to be using their technology that's, that's been so successful to also change the way people use them and, the, you know, the way that they behave and, and manage them. You know, I, I was just thinking about, um, you know, how Starbucks, oftentimes when they're teaching somebody who's never ordered a Starbucks coffee, a lot of times, you know, you, someone will order it and then they'll just repeat back to them in the way that, that you know, in the, in the jargon that Starbucks uses and they slowly teach people how to order coffee, the Starbucks way, if you will. But um, I think, you know, the tools that they're developing and the, you know, just the, the public, you know, awareness and communication is going to help change the way people are using it and make it more more successful. Yeah, and I think you mentioned a really interesting issue which is making sure that the users of the product are informed on how to use it. And you know, I think that's one challenge and like you said, apps and and good marketing campaigns will get that across, but I think a larger issue that is going to be a little harder to achieve is just coordination between both the people using the scooters, the municipalities, and then the ride-sharing companies. Because I think one of the biggest issues we see, and this is mentioned in the same CNN article that we were talking about earlier, but riding these on the sidewalk is, I mean, though fun and seems like where you would want to ride a scooter, it actually isn't the encouraged place to ride these electric scooters. Most companies are wanting people to ride them on bike lanes, but then you get into the issue that there aren't really that many bike lanes in big cities. Like that isn't a ubiquitous part of city design. Uh, So you run into the issue where people maybe don't feel safe riding the scooter in the middle of the street, but then on the sidewalk, you know, they have to be dodging people left and right. And it, it's an issue that now we're starting to see that people want these products, but the cities are going to have to really adapt to make sure that the products stay if they want to stay relevant. Right, right, and 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 safe, which is you know probably rule number one. No, it's 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 um it's it's interesting and it's a big challenge. Um, I was talking to a neighbor of mine, and uh, like I said, just moved downtown, and um, he was saying exactly that. You know, they're they're riding on the sidewalks and. I don't feel safe. And so, you know, we were having that, that conversation and, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, in different environments, there's going to be a position that just kind of starts to make sense. And, uh, and there will be places that 
will probably, you know, be not safe to ride just because there isn't a safe space for a bicycle or, or a scooter to ride. And so, you know, people will be, you know, more, more cautious and aware, aware of that. You know, I think it's going to be, we're going to have to kind of, you know, learn to share the space. And I think over time we'll find a way to do that. And um, again, uh, in my neighbor, in my area, there's a beautiful bike ride around Mercer Island. And, um, you know, people for years were really alarmed about the bicyclists. You know, they were riding side by side and blocking the road. And, you know, why weren't they on the other side of the white line? And um, there was just a lot of uh difficult conversations with our city council, you know, almost ready to outlaw bicycles on the, on the road around the Island. And, you know, over the last eight years, that whole thinking has kind of changed and, uh, and people are much more accepting and there's a much more, you know, positive view on it. So I think, I think over time, you know, there'll be, there'll be a balance. And I think that, you know, design of, uh, of, of bike lanes and things. And, and these, these, you know, kind of share with the speeds that they can achieve. You know, it's sort of an inner city bicycle speed. If you, um, so, you know, it's also getting the bikes and the scooters to kind of, uh, you know, learn to share, share the road as well. But I, I think this is a learning curve and I, I think the demand's going to be there. And, and uh, again, we're just going to have to learn how to, how to share the space. Yeah, definitely. I think coordination is going to be probably the the biggest point here to make sure that this program is successful. Um, you know, between the cities, between the riders, between the manufacturers, between the programs, making sure everyone's on the same page. Um, but the last thing I wanted to hit on you with is actually just sort of a a forecast from you. I, I guess um, we're going to be some financial weathercasters here. I want to know what you think. Do you think that ride-sharing programs for electric scooters are going to have a lasting effect on the electric um, the electric scooter market. Do you think that now that um, consumers can use these products for cheap and once they start to see the value in them and then cities adapt to them and make something like electric scooter commuting accessible, do you think people are going to start investing in their own products and then that market rises and then you see investors wanting to invest in new companies, bring new electric scooters to the market? I mean, do you see that snowball effect? I do. You know, I was, I was just in Beijing and I was, uh, it's been about a year since I've been there and I was, I was amazed of, of all the people riding bicycles, I'd say 90% of them were sharing bicycles and it may have been the community that I was in. But that just seemed like a dramatic change from a from a year ago. So you know you have fewer people owning their own bikes and actually using you know the sharing bikes. I think there's going to continue to be you know challenges where you know once you start relying. I mean, you you mentioned that some of your your coworkers commute to work using the ride sharing ones. Well, there's a big challenge to make sure once you start relying on it that it's a that it's available for you. I think that the sharing programs are going to grow. I think they're going to grow to to more, you know, more cities and smaller cities. Um, I think it's just going to continue to expand because I, I really think it 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 makes it hits the niche. And I, I think you see some of the um, companies like Uber who are looking at, you know, how do they support their customers that are doing the one to two mile trips because people don't usually use taxis for that. But you're starting to see them expand their offering to use scooters as as well. I think it's interesting that, um, 
you know, whereas the the traditional Segway product, um, you know, you still see them on tours. Everybody loves them. You see them in commercial uses with uh, police and with, you know, parking attendants, but it never really translated into people, you know, buying them for their personal use. Um, and a lot of that, it was, you know, that's a commercial product and the price point is high. I think the price point on these products, you know, makes a lot of sense for people to who once they've had the experience to uh, to want to purchase one for their own use and and have it in their trunk, if you will. Well, I mean, I I, I went to a uh, a picnic this summer and they were having a swim meet at the same place, and so it was really crowded. And I was going to have to park about a mile and a half away, and I was late, and I. You know, I had a, a scooter in my trunk and I just pulled it out and rode it down uh, and was able to ride right down to the beach and to the picnic. And I was just kind of laughing to myself how convenient that was. So I think more and more people, um, once they have experienced it through a sharing program, will be interested in purchasing one for themselves. Um, it's just, uh, it's convenient and the, and the price point is there. So I think you'll see a lot more of that. Amazing. I mean, yeah, I I completely agree. I think, I know personally, I've definitely been eyeing one and saving up for one uh, just because they are convenient. And though experiencing it with a ride sharing company is fun, um, you know, it's, it's like you're joining a community when you purchase your own. And the fact that it's starting to, like you said, you were riding on it and you felt cool, right? People are feeling empowered, actually, I think, culturally, to be riding one of these. They're, they're zippy, they're light, sleek, and they're aesthetically pleasing to the masses. And so I think on a financial level, they're accessible. And I think also on a cultural level, they're very accessible as well. So I'm excited for the future for these um, because I I think in the next few years, we're going to start to see them become even more ubiquitous than they already are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just absolutely fun to ride. And they're, they're such a great visceral. You know, I was, I was thinking when I was riding up to the grocery store the other day, I was thinking, you know, I could have just walked. You know, why didn't I walk? It's a nice evening. I could have walked. And then I rode the scooter and I said, you know, this is just fun. And, you know, as I always say, uh, you know, anytime I'm riding a Segway product or anyone I know who's ridden one, it's almost impossible not to be smiling. And I, um, there's just a visceral feel to these products that, um, that is just great. I mean, if I'm having a long day at work, I mean, I'll, I'll take one out for 10 minutes and go for a ride and clear my head and, um, and I'm ready to go again. And uh, there's just something very energizing about them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, uh, I've i definitely had loads of fun on the ones around here in Dallas. So I'm excited to see where the future takes these electric scooters, both in a rideshare capacity and also on a personal consumer level, seeing more people owning their own, uh, treating them, you know, like their personal transportation vehicle. And I'm excited to see how Segway helps set a standard for safety, for coordinating with the rideshare programs, and just for creating a fun product that is safe and aesthetically pleasing and really plays into that community aspect that I think is going to help these electric scooters succeed. Yeah. Like, man, every day you can get out of a car is a good thing. So right, it just, it just feels better. Agreed. And it's better for the environment. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that's a whole other thing we didn't even hit on, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory to see that once you get out of the car and you're on an e-scooter, uh, you are 
you know, saving saving the planet in a little way, but imagine everyone getting out of their car and riding around on something like an electric scooter. I mean, the impact would be yeah. monumental. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, I, I I take them with me all the time, and and everyone I know who's never ridden one before, and I, and that's why I think the sharing programs are going to create such a you know a personal demand for these because um, once you've ridden one and you realize how easy they are and and how great the performance is, it's it's a little bit addictive. Agreed. Oh, completely agreed. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us your takes on sharing programs and basically just filling us in on all things electric scooters from you know from user safety to financial forecasts to adapting city design i think we got a much better look at where the entire electric scooter industry is at right now and i'm excited to see what's around the corner for it fantastic thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast and if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts articles and video content from your favorite industries i'm your host daniel litwin the voice of b2b till next time we